run in front of Mario Andretti. AJ has done it. Good evening to you, 8 o'clock to kick off the month of May on this Monday. My name is Jake Query, coming to you from the Emma Studios, and this is the inaugural edition, if you will, of Beyond the Bricks, which, as Kevin Lee had just talked about with us, is uh, a spinoff. We'll call it that. This is the Joni Loves Chachi to the Talk of Gasoline Alley, which would, of course, be Happy Days, and talking about the Happy Days of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But when it comes to filling the shoes of Donald Davidson, it should be said, no one can do that. It simply cannot be done. And it was for that reason, as I talked about with Kevin, that Mike Thompson, who we will hear from in just a minute, and myself, when approached about ways in Donald's retirement to carry on somewhat off the legacy of Talk of Gasoline Alley, we basically said the ultimate tip of the cap to Talk of Gasoline Alley is to know that only one person can host Talk of Gasoline Alley. So we can perhaps do something that that has some fun with the annals of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, but uh, it would have to be in some sort of a variation thereof. And so, therefore, uh, Mike Thompson, who has spent countless hours not only at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway but also in the museum itself, will be working this show with me. And it is my delight because we have had uh, a friendship that has become an even closer friendship over the course of the last year or so. Uh, for a variety of reasons and it's going to be a lot of fun to spend the month with him but we bring Mike Thompson into the program as well Mike how are you I don't know if we can hear Mike or not could we not hear Mike Brad okay so we will check back in with Mike in just a second but uh, the special guest here in this particular show, and I'm certainly hoping we can hear him. Uh, folks, let me tell you something. Like I told you, not only is this the inaugural run of this particular program, but, you know, hey, I don't even work here. So we're learning everything on the fly, right? Uh, Brad Huber does and is doing a great job here and hopefully can bring us in now. Brad, let me know if we have uh, Donald Davidson here. But the retired but still always will be the IMS historian emeritus uh, and – unparalleled, unprecedented, whatever you would like to say. Donald Davidson joins us now. How are you, Donald? I'm fine, Jake. Thank you very much for all the kind things that you've been saying. Well, Donald, here's the thing. Let me let me begin by asking you this. If you had to guess off the top of your head, and I don't know how it would be possible to even find room for yet another factoid within your brilliant mind, but if you had to do so, if the factoid was how many total hours of radio has Donald Davidson spent talking about the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? What would you guess the total number of hours would be? I would be? have no idea. We're going we're gonna to guess 10,000, okay? For oh, the sake of, I would have no idea. For the sake of this. <laughs> but the reason I say it is simple, Donald, and that is the following. Myself, Mike Thompson, Kevin Lee, Mark Janes, Bob Jenkins, whoever it may be that have had the pleasure of, to be able to have the responsibility of even for a brief moment talking about the events at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We could collectively get together, and there still would not be any way that 10,000 hours would be able to cover the amount of time that we could talk about the immeasurable contributions of Donald Davidson to oh, the greatest racetrack on, in the Jake. world. That's a fact. And, Donald, 
I want to say this, and I think it's important that this be said, and then I'll, I'll kind of hand it over to you to, to take from it. But it is an awesome responsibility at times to be able to speak for the fans of the Indianapolis 500. And I don't know when it comes to broadcasting the race and those things if, if I have it within my ability to do so accurately. But I think that I can accurately speak for the fans of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in officially being able to say in an on-air capacity, not only thank you, but thank you for being able to illustrate to all of us, for all of those around the world, why it is the greatest venue and the greatest event in the world. And it's because of the people encompassing it that it is, that it is as such. And you are trumped by no one when it comes to those people who have contributed that. So I speak for all who have listened over the years in saying thank you for your contribution to it and congratulations on a retirement now that I know you like to sit out on the porch basically and and wave at people and read books, right? (laughs) Well, it hasn't quite turned out to be that way, Jake. But again, I want to thank you for your friendship over the years and uh, certainly the very, very kind things that you've been saying recently and and what you just said. And... um, I would like to um, just um, underline the fact that it was my decision to do this. There's, there's no, you know, the, there's nothing to read between the lines. Um, it was just that I, for some time, re- or for the recent years, was thinking. I don't know if it's, if I, you know, if I just felt that that um, uh, I'm not as sharp as I was. And uh, I'm still okay, <laughs> but I just uh, with with the the um, uh, what's been happening for the last few months and certainly the last year, and that I was working from home and I did officially retire from the track on December the 31st. But also last year, just the very way that I had to do the show and so many things were changed, and I thought I don't know that I'm really comfortable doing this anymore. And uh, just, you know, the nightly routine and and so on and so forth. And so I decided that I would like to step back, not stop, but just step back and be able to do the things just that I wanted to do and not do the things that I don't want to do. Well, that hasn't worked out very well so far. But um, uh, it was my decision, and um, I will say that I'm so grateful to the fans, and there seems to be so many of them, and that is so flattering. And uh, I'll just, uh, in in addition to saying thank you to to all of the people, I've just been blessed. Uh, it as uh, as the some Brits would say, it wasn't all beer and skittles, but for most of the time, I was living a dream. I mean, there were times when it wasn't a dream. There was behind the scenes things going on, but I think that's true of of um, you know just a. Uh, you know anybody's uh, life i suppose but uh the fact that i did so many talks and um just one thing seemed to lead to another and the radio thing just kept happening i mean i never expected that it would last as long as it did and i remember that at the time i first started to do this show there was and uh, if i can just take a you know, a few moments here to kind of digress a little bit. Uh, Radio was very different when I first started to do this. And uh, they were very much, the thinking was, 
play the music, play the music, play the commercial, introduce the next piece. If you talk for more than a minute or two, you'll lose them. And uh, I did a, a, a call-in show. <laughs> Actually, I did it in 1966. Um, but uh, rather than go into all of that, it, it's been constant since 1971. And uh, the very fact that I was able to do that program for so many years, take the calls from the people, and then go out and give talks where organizations, groups would call me and, uh, you know, I wasn't out there hustling. I didn't have a, an agent or anything like that. Just people would call me and want me to, to give a talk. And uh, on the way home, I would just give thanks in the car for, you know, I just was so grateful for the ability to be able to do what I was able to do, but then also the opportunity. And so to all of these um I uh, hope I'm not running a, a, a tight against a, a, a commercial break, Jake, but uh, I'll wind up here in just a few moments. But just the very fact that I was able to um, pass on my interest, if you like, but have the people care. And uh, just if I went off on tangents, <laughs> people seemed to like that. And it was just so great that there were so many people that, that uh, you know, was sharing my enthusiasm, and my enthusiasm was and is genuine. And uh, it's just amazing how many, many people care. And I am aware, without getting too heavy or, or, or uh, you know, just, uh, just, you know, maybe saying the wrong thing here, I, I've often thought, you know what, I get compliments all the time. Not just one a day, but sometimes I'll get, I get compliments constantly. And I think there are millions and millions and millions of people in the world that never get a compliment in their life. They never get a single compliment. And I get them all the time, but I don't take it for granted. And so, you know, maybe I could just take this opportunity to, to say to all the people out there that are listening, thank you. Thank you so much for all of the kind things that you have said and and uh, the fact that, um, you know, we share this common interest and um, just I hope everybody is, uh, or most people are, are okay with the fact that I decided I don't think I want to do this every night and, uh, you know, risk just, um, uh, you know, being caught out or, or just being off my game a little bit. And uh, I just like to keep enjoying it and having fun. Donald, when you think back to when you first became aware of the Indianapolis 500. Yeah, that's a long time ago. And, <laughs> I mean, it was almost six or seven years ago, right? But um, I Thank can't. you, Jake. That's You're right. very kind. <laughs> but, but sometimes it becomes difficult, I realize, for any of us to go back and put ourselves in our earlier shoes but Donald, have you had a chance in your retirement or or just in a moment? You know, you, you have spent a career reflecting on the accomplishments of everyone associated with the Speedway, but theoretically never stopped to recognize the accomplishments of your own. Have you had a chance now to let that sink in and realize, to go back and tell that kid 
that was getting ready to come to the United States for the first time, wait until I tell you where this goes. Uh, I, I didn't quite hear all of your question, but I mean, if you're talking about that when I first decided I want to come, I kind of had this dream, and it was it. It seems like it was preordained because from the time I showed up, it was like magic. And um, I think there was just something that made me do the things that I did. Um, I don't. I wasn't a risk taker, but I never thought about when I came it being a risk. I mean, I saved up the money to come, and I've had people say, "Oh, I remember when Tony Holman bought you over and." Sid Collins bought you over. No, I bought me over. I saved up the money and came. <laughs> and uh, it took a while. I didn't have a, you know, I didn't know about charge cards, so I saved up the money for several years. And then when I finally arrived, and uh, the the wonderful lady named Miss Frances Durr, who was the director of ticket sales, I'd sort of struck up a correspondence with her. I got a feel early on for how, I, I wanna, I'm going to use the term folksy, and I don't know that's it, but everything was so down to earth. I, I just, uh, when you came to the track, it was just like a huge picnic ground, and uh, I learned all about who's your hospitality. But the, the fact that I was offered a, a, a bronze badge to get in, and so when I showed up, you know, within a matter of minutes, I was in the garage area. And everything, it was just, it was like magic. And, um, but it, it's, uh, and I was very, very fortunate, but I would tell the kids, um, you know, follow your dreams. Because if there's something that, that, uh, that, that you want to pursue, and you don't know if it's a thing to do or, or not, just do it. Because it's amazing how things can work out for you, and it's not going to happen for you if you don't try. I know we've had a, 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 a chuckle of, of, about things like this, but um, and I'm not going to identify the situation necessarily, but I've, ha I've actually had this happen a few times while I was at the museum. And I had a lady... And uh, she was interested in a particular car, an early car that was on the museum floor. And uh, so she came in and she stood next to it and she said, oh, I've wanted to do this for years. And she said, uh, I, I, I'm 50 now and I decided I should go to the Indianapolis Speedway and see this car that had a family connection. And I said, oh, where are you from? And she said, Fort Wayne. And I said, oh, my goodness me, Fort Wayne? Oh, that, that's, you know, that's, that's one of the most uh, uh, challenging journeys that anyone's ever made. And I, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I came from England, for heaven's sake. <laughs> and, um, but anyway, um, I don't know that I really answered your question, but I still say, you know, follow your dreams and if you don't get exactly what you were hoping for you can get something close and um i was just very fortunate that from the time i showed up everything was just like magic and i immediately started meeting all of my 
heroes and people that I'd read about for years, and to my astonishment, found that most of them were really nice people. I, as I've you probably you've heard me say, and uh, you know a lot of the listeners, that I always thought that race drivers would be, be very very intense and not particularly friendly. And I was amazed at how friendly everybody was, and the chief mechanics, and the crew members, and and uh, but just above all, the, the drivers, how friendly they were, and 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 they, they were for for the most part very interested in what I had done. And I think some of them thought I was a put on because when I could recite their careers for them, I realized that you know the the Americans and certainly the, the racing fraternity. They were big into needling and practical jokes, and I think some of them thought that I was, I would, you know, that I was putting them on, which I was not. Jake, I don't think I answered your question, but I did talk a lot. But you knew that was going to happen, didn't you? Of course, <laughs> but that's the beauty of it, right, Mike? Absolutely. That's the best part of the show is when oh. uh, I, I got I got to host the Talk of Gasoline Alley one time, which was which was the highlight of my life, I think, actually. Uh, only once? And, and, uh, yeah, I only got to host, you know, actually co-host with you once. And and I remember vividly, Greg Rakestraw told me, you know, you've got to keep the show moving, remember. And the first show or the first call, I think, went 19 or 20 minutes. <laughs> and and I, I remember sitting there looking at you as a fan and not as the host. And I remember thinking the whole time, yep, Greg's never going to let me host this show again because I'm, I'm doing basically, <laughs> you know, I'm doing what all the, the listeners want to do, which is just getting the chance to sit in on the Talk of Gasoline Alley live and and forgetting the fact that I'm supposed to be hosting. And and by the way, that was a great and, and beautiful intro, Jake. And, and I, Alfonso Giafoni did at the beginning. And, and um, you know, I, I zero laps, uh, zero run at the beginning. So I appreciate the nice intro you gave me and the nice buildup. And then, of course, my computer decided to die at that exact second that you gave me that wonderful intro. So oh. I appreciate that. But but Donald is Donald is absolutely correct when he says, you know, follow your dream, because when I was a kid in Toledo, Ohio, I got lucky to come down with my my uncles and my dad to time trials. And I heard this guy on the radio and I knew as you know, I think everybody knows, um, you know, I think you kind of know as a kid, you know, do you have the, the talent to do something? And, you know, I was so interested in racing and, you know, you have people who are, you know, they're nice and they say, um, you know, you could be a race car driver. And I knew I had no talent to be a race car driver. I mean, none. Um, the best that I was going to do is run matchbox cars up my grandma's, you know, stairs and stuff like that. But <laughs> I had a, um, you know, my uncles, uh, and my dad, they, they really encouraged me in, in racing and, and, and my interest in racing and especially my uncle Ron, my late uncle Ron and my uncle Bill, and they really got me into it. And we came down when I was 12 years old and, and all of a sudden I heard one time this magical show, the talk of gasoline alley. And I said to my uncle Ron, I said, wait, there's, there's a guy and, and his job is to talk about the, the history of the Indianapolis 500 on the radio. I want to be that guy. You know, how do I get to be that guy? And, and, you know, I've got to meet so many different, you know, drivers over the years and it's been magical. And I know we're going to talk about, um, the, the sad passing of Bobby Uncertain a little bit, but you know, one of the things that is so gratifying is, is getting to, to meet my hero, Donald Davidson, you know, and I'm, I, I'm an unabashed Donald Davidson is my hero because 
growing up as a little kid, I, I mean, if you would have told me I would have got to meet Donald Davidson, that would have been enough for me. And, and then I've got to cultivate a friendship with Donald over the years. And, and, and getting to co-host the Talk of Gasoline Alley one-on-one uh, -on -one with you one time was, was, was great for me. And, and celebrating the Talk of Gasoline Alley, I know, was really important to Jake and I because – um, it's, you know, it's a staple for so many people. I, I, you, you wouldn't believe how many people have asked me over the winter is, is Donald going to reconsider is, is there going to be a talk of gasoline alley? And I said, no, I, I don't think so. I think, I think last year was it. And I kept telling him, I do think uh, we can convince him though, to come back at least one night and, and, you know, and say thank you to the fans because it, it really is an interesting, you know, and I know Jake is into radio history. It really is an interesting historical program there really isn't anything like it um you know when you think of all the episodes that have been on and 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 your time with all the different co-hosts you've had and 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 just the the fact that there's been so much interest and i know one of the things donald that really gratifies you and you and i have talked in the museum when when i worked with you at the museum and even before when i was working at wish and i was working at wibc you and i would talk and you'd say you know, I, I hope that the fans come back every year for the talk of gasoline. Now you're just grad, you were gratified every year. And, and then the calls, the, the lines would light up and you, you know, you'd have a full complement of calls every night. And, and for everyone at home, Donald's not just being modest when he, when he's happy about that. I mean, it really truly touches him that so many people were so interested in this program and, and it really, it really truly meant something to Donald. And I, I know I'm speaking a little bit for him in this case, but but I just know how gratified he was every day. We'd talk about the show and he'd say, you know, we had so many calls and there were so many good calls and, and he, his face would light up when he'd say, you know, we got a call about Sam Hanks or we got a call about Bobby <laughs> Grimm or, you know, and, and his face would light up about what the calls were about. And so it, it really, honestly, um, you know, it truly touched him. And so I'm really excited that, uh, you know, Jake and I are giving Donald the opportunity to, to thank the fans because the fans, Donald and the fans have really made this show, um, the show, the talk of gasoline alley, um, you know, what it, what it was. And someone on Twitter, I, I know has already said, you know, we're raising the, the banner of talk of gasoline alley to the rafters tonight. That's absolutely how I feel. I mean, it's, oh, it's a show, it's a show that really, um, you know, it really, really deserves that Andy Merrick on Twitter mentioned that a few minutes ago, you know, talk of gasoline alley has been retired. It's Jersey, right. You know, raised to the rafters. I really feel that way. I mean, it's a, it's a slice of radio history that truly deserves to be honored, I think. And, and I'm, I'm glad that Jake and I are getting the chance to do this um, tonight. And, and Jake, you know, Jake is hundred percent right at the beginning of the show when, uh, you know, he mentioned this to Kevin a little bit on, on trackside tonight when I was approached about this, this show that we're doing now beyond the bricks. Um, when it was first pitched, I said, you know, I'd love to do a show with Jake, but I don't want to do the talk of gasoline alley. Um, because that's Donald's show and, you know, Donald, Donald made that show and, and, and I'd like to do something. I'd like to do something else. Um, be, just because I think, you know, Donald is the only one who could ever do the talk of gasoline alley justice the way it's been done. And it's, it's, um, it's so important to so many people. Um, you know, I'd love to do something different and, and honor talk of gasoline alley and, and keep the tradition of this time slot of, of programming and, and, and doing what we're doing. You know, I, I see it as, you know, doing some bench racing and, and, uh, you know, those type of things and, and having some fun and, and, and really talking about the incredible, wonderful history of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and, and all the drivers and people who have made it so great. But 
but there's only one guy who can be the host of the Talkie Gasoline Alley, and, and he happens to be joining us tonight. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, Mike. That's very kind of you. Donald, let me ask you this. When you were a teen or a young man in your young 20s, you know, I think it's no secret that you marveled at race car drivers yeah. at the Indianapolis 500. What does it mean to you to now stop and grasp and absorb the fact that maybe you never have? That uh, now, I'm sorry, Jake, the last part? What does it mean to you to stop and absorb and grasp the fact that now race car drivers marvel at you? Oh, well, <laughs> marvel? I don't... Um, th- that's That happened, you know, very, very early and as I say, from the time that I showed up, I thought that they – I was thinking that they almost sort of couldn't be bothered. I figured that they probably if, – even if they were polite, they'd hear the same stuff over and over and over again. But it seemed to be different. And, uh, I mean, right from the time that I first showed up, I had – you know, the, the, I'd meet the wife, and they'd say, oh, yeah, well, you know – but. He's got a scrapbook. You should, you, you could come over to the house and see the scrapbook. <laughs> and and uh, some of the, you know, I took advantage of some of those opportunities, but others not. But early on, um, they just, you know, drivers would come to see me. And, and um, uh, the, the, the way things are, are different now, and I know I've had this discussion maybe with both of you fellows, and, and uh, but... Um, you know, now uh, the, the the drivers come from different disciplines now. Well, all the time I was working for USAC, you know, the drivers came up through the ranks. And, and when somebody would take a rookie test, I probably would have known them for several years. And, uh, in fact, there were even some that they come to me for help with filling out their, their application. And uh, they said, look, I've got to do a, a, a quick resume here, and uh, I don't have all that stuff. Can you help me? And I would help them, you know, write up their uh, the, the, some of their accomplishments. And uh, so, and that, I, I don't know a lot of the new fellows now. Some of the I've met, there are fellows now that I have not met. And, and uh, but I used to know all of them, and, and uh, so many of them, um, I kept in contact with uh, just by, you know, being at USAC for all of those years and being at the track uh, for, you know, then another great period of time. And the fact that I would get calls or they would just, you know, the, it, it would be July or it would be February or October and, and they'd, I'd get a call from the I have so-and-so's at the front desk and I really haven't seen him for years and i would go down and uh so i have as far as numbers of drivers that i've met in the 500 i try to add it up one time and i know it's well over 400 and in most cases that's not a case of that i you know i got their autograph and and shook their hand and that was it but many of them i came to know very well and uh, what a privilege that was. So I just had to, you know, pinch myself with, um, well, you know, just a whole other subject. The people that I've had an opportunity to meet that are not even race drivers. 
with the celebrities that came to the track or that I met in London. I mean, I <laughs> I had a life before I came here, and uh, just the, the 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 number of people that I've met, I, it's just. Uh, I've just been very, very blessed, and and so many people that I met that were heroes of mine, and uh, that I would have an opportunity to meet them again. I don't know that I gave you a very good answer, but I just I've led a you know led a dream and and um, gave talks. Sometimes those were some of the really really special rewarding times. Was if I would go and uh, do a talk with a driver, and we'd, we'd just meet and then go downtown or, or wherever we were going for the talk. And if it was a little bit of a trip, like I'd, I did when I went to Rushville for, for years and years and years, but other places as well, with a driver. And uh, so typically in May, and we'd talk in the car about what was going on at the track that day and what happened and what's going to happen tomorrow and on and on and on. And then we would get there, and then we would do the talk. And then on the way home, they would, you know, slide down in the seat and um, sometimes share really, really, um, oh, I, you know, I don't know if intimate would be the term, but I think that's probably, you know, Jake, uh, and I, I know a lot of your colleagues in the business that where you're covering the sport all the time and you get to know these people and uh, some of them will start to share stuff with you, and you, you you keep you protect it, you keep it to yourself because it's personal, and um, you don't you don't want to betray if they told you something about their upbringing or you know something just that, that maybe they were embarrassed about, and uh, just those are the special special things for me where somebody just shared something with me. Donald, among those drivers in which you crossed paths invariably and inevitably and fortunately, because he was a very colorful character and a great champion on the track, um, we would be remiss if we didn't get your thoughts on Bobby Unser. And also, I want to let people have the opportunity, if you want to send me a tweet, at Jake Query, that's J-A-K-E-Q-U-E-R-Y. If you'd like me to read a message to Donald, we're going to do that. Donald, I'm basically, uh, since you're retired, I, I know that you have time to stick around We've got to take a quick break, and then I'd like to bring you back uh, to continue that conversation. Sound good to you? Absolutely. All yes. right. Donald Davidson with us, as well as Mike Thompson. This is Beyond the Bricks, at Jake Query, J-A-K-E-Q-U-E-R-Y. If you would like me to pass along a message to Donald, we'll be happy to do that. And we'll talk about the a significant loss today in the form of three-time Indianapolis 500 winner Bobby Unser. We'll do it next on Beyond the Bricks. The Indiana Union construction industry remains focused on getting the job done and keeping our communities running. We all look forward to getting back on track. For over 100 years, our contractors and skilled tradesmen and women built and maintained Indiana's hospitals, highways, bridges, schools, and utilities, essential infrastructure that keeps our state moving forward during all conditions. And with safety as a top priority, we're ready for whatever it takes to rebuild our economy. We built Indiana's past, and we'll be there to build Indiana's future. The Indiana Union Construction Industry, value on display every day. This is Steve Knowles, president of the Bricklayers and Allied Craft Workers Local 4, Indiana, Kentucky. Our relationship with the Indianapolis Motor Speedway dates to 1909, when our members laid over 3 million bricks 
in just 63 days, setting the foundation for a great American tradition. We put the brick in the brickyard. Bricklayers Local 4, skilled on principle, union by choice. Hi, I'm Arielle Winter. If you're anything like me, your pets are not only your best friends, they're part of your family. American Humane, which has been rescuing animals like Cleo here for more than 100 years, has life-saving tips that can make a big difference before, during, and after disasters such as hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, or wildfires. So when disaster strikes, you want to be prepared to protect them. Be sure to microchip or tag your pets. Never leave them behind in a major crisis, and be sure to have an emergency kit ready in your home at all times with a pet crate or carrier, leash, blanket, ID, and medications, their water bowl, and seven to 10 days worth of food. To find out how to protect your entire family during a disaster and help our best friends in their worst times, please visit AmericanHumane.org. The Indiana Union construction industry remains focused on getting the job done and keeping our communities running. We all look forward to getting back on track. For over 100 years, our contractors and skilled tradesmen and women built and maintained Indiana's hospitals, highways, bridges, schools, and utilities, essential infrastructure that keeps our state moving forward during all conditions. And with safety as a top priority, we're ready for whatever it takes to rebuild our economy. We built Indiana's past, and we'll be there to build Indiana's future. The Indiana Union Construction Industry, value on display every day. This is John Whitaker business manager of Ironworkers Local 22. Our over 1,300 members are in good pay and benefits working with rebar, structural steel, and ornamental metals for bridges, commercial buildings, and more. Find apprenticeship details on how we're building Indiana's infrastructure at ironworkers22.net. Ironworkers Local 22, skilled on principle, union by choice. Were you born from 1945 to 1965? People born during these years are five times more likely to have hepatitis C but most people don't know they are infected. So even if you try to eat right, exercise, and take care of yourself, you can still have hepatitis C, a serious liver disease that often has no symptoms. In fact, people can live with hepatitis C for decades without feeling or looking sick. But over time, hepatitis C can cause serious health problems, including liver damage, liver failure, or even liver cancer. Getting tested is the only way to know if you're infected with hepatitis C. That's why the CDC recommends everyone born from 1945 to 1965 get a blood test for hepatitis C. Treatments are available that can cure this disease. So talk to your doctor about getting tested. It could save your life. A message from the CDC. Bobby Unser, the Norton Spirit Car number 3, accepts the twin checkered flags from Dwayne Sweeney. Bobby Unser has won the Indianapolis 500. That was Paul Page on the call for the IMS Radio Network. Bobby Unser's third Indianapolis 500 win. That, of course, came in the 65th running of the Indy 500 back in 1981, meaning that Unser capped a career where he finished last in his first 500 in 1963 he finished first in his last 500 in 1981 and the first man to win the 500 in three different decades rick mears is the only other to do that we will get the thoughts from donald davidson and mike thompson about bobby unser and the significant loss from earlier today um but i wanted to also mention donald when we were talking about fans and their um 
sentiments towards you and you know the love affair really between yourself and the fans of the Indianapolis 500. Bashbeard says, please let Donald know that his Facebook fan club wishes him a happy retirement and that we are delighted to hear his voice whenever he wants to be on. Brian Taylor says, please relate to Donald just how much of us enjoyed the IUPUI class as well as the radio program. It was a rite of spring for me for over 20 years. And Lisa says, I had the joy of working with Donald for an event. My great sorrow was when a voicemail from Donald, which I'd saved, accidentally was erased. Working on that event, when I got to work with one of my heroes, was special. Thank you so much to Donald. Um, and, and, Donald, we also have made a pact to ourselves, Mike and I talked about this, that any time, and you are welcome any time to join us over the course of the month when you're on. And from now on, when you call in, we'd like you to identify yourself as Jerry from Delphi. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> we'll just do it that or way. Dave from Marion or Mike from Vernon Hills. Mike from Vernon Hills Mike. also sent along Donald his sentence. Yeah, Mike from Vernon Hills. He's, yeah. uh, he's, he's sent in a Twitter as well. Um, Donald, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the news today that Bobby Unser has passed away at the age of 87. Yeah. Well, actually, he did pass away yesterday. And uh, that, that's uh, I've been hearing that uh, several times today that he passed away today. It, it was yesterday. But, yeah, um, just one of the great champions of all time. And uh, I would, that uh, I don't know if you could say Bobby Unser at his best, but certainly qualifying anywhere, really. But when he qualified for the Indianapolis 500, he just gave 100%. And and uh, sometimes you'll hear people say he gave 110%. Well, I don't think that's mathematically possible, but 100%. And I remember just seeing him sometimes would come in from a qualifying run, and uh, he would take the helmet off and the head sock, and he would just be bathed in perspiration and you could just tell that he had just given everything that he could possibly give and um, the fact that uh, you know he had this phenomenal career uh, at, at so outgoing or outspoken <laughs> and uh, he you know he, he could be a little a little brutal with some of his opinions but uh, he was so he was so good for the people. Um, just it was just uh, you know just seemed to be the the, the complete package, and also uh, tireless in his quest, if you like, for the advantage. And I and I don't mean it. I don't mean uh, you know I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. But he was always looking for how can it be better? How can there be and uh, how can you get an edge? And I remember that that uh, one time uh, I was with him and some others, and we were at the McDonnell Douglas Aircraft uh, uh, facility in uh, St. Louis. And uh, just when he would listen to when any technical information was given, you could he was just glued to whoever was speaking and 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 paying attention to them, he was like George Bignotti in in that respect. That he was looking and listening for anything that he might not know that might help. And uh, he would call his chief mechanics, and he didn't have that very many, really. But he, I know, like Judd Phillips, and you know, was one. And and uh, he would call, you know, at. at at uh, you know, way late at night or early in the morning, or whatever, say, 
I just had a, you know, what would happen if we did so-and-so and so-and-so? And he was just constantly thinking about how you could make the car better. And um, then um, also, uh, Bobby Unser at Pike's Peak, he, you know, he just won Pike's Peak, I think, was it 12 times in different classes, but he won the championship division. I haven't thought about this for a while. It's like seven times or something like that. I have to count it up on my fingers. But some of the most amazing film footage that I've ever seen, and uh, we're all used to the in-car cameras now, whether it's NASCAR or the Speedway or Formula One and everything like that. But I'll tell you what, most, some of the most amazing in-cockpit um, footage I've ever seen was at Pikes Peak Hill Climb in probably, I don't know, 63, something somewhere in there, maybe 66, and a 16-millimeter camera was put onto the uh, roll bar, and uh, you see into the cockpit, I think it might have been 63 now I think about it, and it's Bobby Unser going up Pikes Peak, and the way that he is working the wheel and you can see uh, the front tires, dirt, dirt track tires. And here we're going up the, you know, 12.2 miles or whatever it is. Uh, and, and goodness knows how many turns and switchbacks. And, the, and the, the, the tire would just be like an inch or two from the, the edge. So no rope, no, uh, no guardrails. And uh, just, you know, sheer drops off of cliffs. And just Bobby Unser working the wheel, just back and forth and back and forth. That's just incredible footage. And um, uh, so just one of the great champions. I mean, in addition to winning three times, or, but all the other things that he won. But I think just qualifying for the Indianapolis 500. You know, you you think of Sneva. I think you, you Tom Sneva. And... Uh, uh, you know Mario, but but there, there was just something about a Bobby Unser qualifying run was just something so special. You know, it's interesting, Donald. In conclusion, here tonight with you, in hearing you talk about how you know watching Bobby Unser work the wheel, how seeing him qualify was was part of IMS lore to you. I want to round out by saying, in reading you, a few more people. Uh, John Sailwich, and I hope I say his last name correctly there, talk of gasoline alley is an intricate part of the Indy 500. Nothing like listening in the car on the way home from the track. Thank you, Donald, for being a part of our lives. Brian uh, says, hey, why didn't you ask about Jigger Saroy? We know how much you love that over the years, right? Um, Lawrence Cunningham, Donald, thank you and bless you for the hours and hours that I've had the great pleasure of listening. As you told stories about all the different drivers of the 500, the talk of gasoline alley was one of the highlights of May for me. Donald, I wanted to conclude tonight with you to say this. Obviously, it goes without saying that um, I would say you have an open invite, but the reality is that we're simply guests in your house, so you can come anytime you'd like, obviously, to walk into it. But I know I speak for Mike in saying that it is the it is incredulously accepted that you would, even for a, a split second, trust that the two of us are even in the ballpark of capable of doing a spinoff if you will that carries on the foundation from what talk of gasoline alley was and that is not what this show is intended to be but rather to go off of it but we do so 
with an incredible honor from you because there really, I know I speak for Mike in saying this myself, there is no one over the course of my career that I have been more blessed to have had my path crossed with from a professional and then ultimately a personal level than Donald Davidson. And I speak for thousands when I say thank you. Oh, well, you're very, very kind. And I'd be happy to come on from time to time. I just, I don't want to do it every night. And, and uh, you know, just, uh, I, I don't know. I, I just, um, it's funny you mentioned Chigger, dear Chigger. And I know that we would get these uh, these perennial questions that I really didn't want to do and uh, that people wouldn't always get it right. And I I think that, that uh, probably our uh, our facetious uh, uh, question was, oh, can you tell me about the time that Jigger Saroy sat on the pole with the Greens Cummins Diesel and they opened up the hood and Jim Herdebeest was in there or something like that? I don't <laughs> right. know. But uh, yeah. <laughs> some, of, some of those stories uh, we had to tell time and time again. I thought, oh, no, I don't want to do that one again, please. <laughs> well, Donald... Uh, every single time, it was nothing but a pleasure, and we look forward to talking to you over the course of the month. I'll just say it that way. Uh, I'm not going to say tomorrow at 8 o'clock, but maybe it will be. But we do look forward to talking to you, and uh, we certainly appreciate the time tonight. All right. Well, thank you both, and uh, I can't believe it's May. And, uh, yes, I'll be happy to come on from time to time. Well, we're going to have Donald... Mike, what do you think? We'll uh, we'll allow Donald that privilege. How's that? <laughs> yeah, we I think we can fit him in somewhere in the schedule. What Donald, think? thanks. We appreciate it. Hey, Mike, let's talk real quick. And and Um, again, thank you to all of the fans. I don't know that I've done a very good job of that, but I just appreciate everybody for being so kind, but also just the the fact that we can all share this uh, incredible, I mean, just, just, you know, it's, it's people's lives and they've been coming for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. And, and uh, it's just something that we hope will, you know, will always be there for us. We appreciate it, Donald, um, very much so, and look forward Thanks, to fellas. it. Thanks, um, everybody. Hey, Mike, let's talk about Bobby Unser in the last 10 minutes that we have here. I wanted you to touch on it because, Mike Thompson, you know, when it comes to the cars and, and the evolution at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the Indianapolis 500 over the years, you do a far better job of, of articulating that than do I because you know it better. Um, Bobby Unser to me is fascinating because over the 19-500 starts that he made – with an average finish of 12.4 and three wins. He did so, am I correct in saying, Mike, in a number of different kinds of cars? Yeah, and I, what's interesting to me about Bobby Unser is his – Donald touched on this, and and I'm actually fortunate to be working on a project for WIBC uh, where we're working on uh, talking about the 1981 race and, and some things uh, for anniversaries coming up. But Bobby Unser loved the engineering side of things. Uh, if the interviews he did, he's just so giddy to talk about engineering and, and, and Donald's a hundred percent right where he talked about, um, you know, Bobby Unser in one of the interviews that, uh, you'll be hearing some of the things on WIBC later in the month. He talks about calling Roger Penske at two and three in the morning. And he's like, he loved that. He loved when I would call him at two o'clock in the morning with, uh, with some speed secrets I wanted to try out. And, and he said, I eventually, uh, he had to keep an eight by 10 notepad by the by the bed because he would come up and you know these different ideas in the middle of the night but that's how Bobby Unser's mind worked he was he was always thinking how could I make my race car better and uh, you know one of the things I thought uh, was really interesting is one of the interviews we did with him he talked about how 
uh, he thought the best car that had ever appeared at Indianapolis was the 1972 Eagle. And I, th- I think our friend Brad's going to play that for us here in a second. Here is Bobby Unser on the 72 Eagle. The best race car, I think, ever at Indianapolis. And, and I think looking back over history, ever, was the 72 Eagle that Gurney built. That car, it just, it just went fast. Didn't make any difference what. We had so many developments on that car and so many secrets that, I mean, I raised the speed qualifying roughly 18 miles an hour in one year. And this theoretic never happened in history. It was just one mean fast race car and so easy to drive it was just amazing in the race just as an example my brother al who's definitely one of the faster cars i lapped him i lapped him in 27 laps i mean i'm looking in front of me there and i'm cruising i'm not driving that car hard press said i was driving it too hard but i wasn't i mean that car go so fast terrible fast I saw Al in front of me, and I thought, how in the heck could I be getting him? And I looked at the scoreboard up there. It's only 27 laps, and I'm already lapping him. And I say, wow, and I'm going easy on the car. I'm easing off every turn, only running hard down the straightaways. And, of course, it ended up breaking a, a, dis, a magneto rotor and put me out of the race, period. But, gosh, they've never seen a car that fast. In Indianapolis during that era. And and no matter what, if it finished, it's going to win the race. Nobody can beat that car all year. And it was just so much fun to drive. And then all the eagles after that were like little eaglets that got reborn. Slight minor changes. Basically the same car. Basically the same answers. Always fast. Always just fly. The eagle used to fly. The thing I love up too is, is when Bobby's telling you a story, his enthusiasm. And and one of the things I loved about it when I when I worked at the museum, we we put on an exhibit for uh, the Unser's, and and Bobby was so generous with uh, allowing the museum to borrow uh, so many items, you know, personal items from his collection, and and just his enthusiasm to to show the different items that he he brought, um, you know, with him and and allowed us to borrow. We had a meeting with him one time in in the in the museum conference room gallery, and and he there was a this piece of wood, and it, it had been sculpted into like a little statue, and and I sat next to, to Bobby during the the meeting, and he he was on this little like scooter cart thing because uh, he wasn't really getting around very well at the time uh, walking, and so he would he would kind of roll around on this scooter cart and he, he would roll over to me and, and he showed me this thing. And he, he told me probably 20 minute story about this, this piece of wood that had been sculpted that he won as a uh, trophy for winning the pole at, uh, at Montrevon at St. Jovite in, in Quebec. And he was as proud of that pole trophy uh, than he was as any of the three Borg Warners he won, I think, because he was just telling the story. He's like, you know, they made this carving for me, and 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 they made that for Bobby Unser, and and I won the pole, and 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 I was, I said it wasn't a race, you know, you you didn't win the race, and he's no, I won the pole, but look at they made this carving just for Bobby Unser, and he and he was beaming and telling that story, and and you know, I'm, you know, I've, 
I was thinking about this all day today, Jake, is that, you know, we're coming into the month of May. We got this brand new show kicking it off. And I woke up this morning really energized thinking about that and thinking we're going to have Donald on and we're going to kind of, you know, as was mentioned by someone on Twitter, you know, we're going to retire Talk Gasoline Alley to the rafters. And, and, and I thought about that, you know, when I got up and I was really energized and then we got the sad news about Bobby and it really kind of took the wind out of my sails a little bit thinking about, you know, what we really lost in Bobby, because, you know, I, I really, I'm, while I'm so sad we lost him, I just, I rejoice in the fact that, you know, while, I mean, I can't say I was friends with Bobby in the way like a Steve Shunk was. And I'm, you know, I, my heart goes out to Steve and to all the Unser family, you know, people who really, really knew Bobby um, as well as they did. But I just rejoice in the fact that I knew Bobby Unser because, you know, if you got to spend any kind of time with Bobby Unser, it was it was really a special, special thing, I think. Bobby Unser first came and ran the Indianapolis 500 in 1963. As mentioned, he finished 33rd that year. As a matter of fact, he finished in the 30s the year after that, and then things took off. And it was in 1968 when he got his first win at Indianapolis. Here's Bobby Unser reflecting on that 1968 win. Well, you know, winning, winning Indy in the 68 Eagle – was really, really, really something special. For one thing, you know, I don't think I'm going to win the race, but in case, I'm willing to accept it, which I did. So then, uh, ironically, I don't trust anybody when it comes to winning something as big as the Indy 500. So I go an extra lap. I get the checkered flag. Now, officially, no matter how you look at it, I won the race. But I'm going to go another lap just in case somebody doesn't know how to count. So I go another lap, and when I come around, and I'm to the back straightaway. This was, it really made the tears come out of my eyes. There must have been 10,000 to 50,000 people jumped the fences. They were all standing on the back straightaway. And I had to, I had to get down and just barely keep the car going because I didn't have a transmission to use. And I got back there, and, and the people were trying to touch the car. They were touching it. And, I mean, it was, it, 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 it was so touching to me. It, it just brought a tear to my eyes that hey, people were all for me. They weren't for the turbines. They were for Bobby Enser winning the race. And we did win it. And the whole thing turned out to be just as much fun as that was. And Bobby Unser went on, as we'd mentioned, to win two more Indianapolis 500s, 1975, 1981 as well. But that 1968 win that he just talked about, the reality is that was the first step in catapulting the Unser name and Bobby Unser into racing immortality. Bobby Unser's thoughts on how the Indianapolis 500 and becoming a champion of that event changed his life. It changed my life immediately because I went from being a really poor man to a, a fairly well-to-do man. And, and I wasn't like a lot of the race drivers. I, I took racing and did, got into the endorsement business. I was one of the early race drivers that got into heavy into the endorsement business. So people don't realize it, but I made more money doing that than I did winning races or driving race cars or worrying about contracts. That's Bobby Unser, three-time winner of the Indianapolis 500. And the hour flew by, Mike, but the reality is, and that's great audio that you accumulated. Um, and that's just kind of, and obviously, it is not going to be talking, you know, from a posthumous standpoint about many of the drivers of which we're talking about in terms of the immediacy of today with the sad news. 
but celebrating the great names and stories of the Indianapolis 500 and accentuating those stories with some of the audio that you have and that we have in the IMS annals. That's what this month in this show is going to be about, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think telling the stories and, 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 and that, that type of audio and, and, and sharing our love and our passion for the race and, and, and bringing that to the people and, and, Bringing those moments back, people, those spine tingling moments. I think that's really the really the thing that we're going to be doing here on Beyond the Bricks. It's going to be a lot of fun, Mike. I look forward to it over the course of the month. And I want everybody to know as well that you and I are both well aware of the honor that's been placed upon us and we'll do our best, right? We'll simply do our best on it. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to doing this uh, every night with you, my friend. Sounds good. Appreciate it, Mike. We'll do it again tomorrow at 8 o'clock for Brad Huber. And thank you so much in so many ways to Donald Davidson. My name is Jake Quarry. We'll talk to you again in 23 hours on Beyond the Bricks. You know, many people my age who went to college, they'll do something great in the future. But I'm doing something great now. If you like seeing what you accomplish every day, why not make that your career instead of a desk job? I know a lot of people without any direction. Well, my direction is up while I help build this high rise. Your training is free, so you learn while you earn. My friends finished their degree in four years. That's about what it took for us to finish laying down about a dozen new roads. Careers as a union laborer are rewarding and ready now. As a member of Laborers Local 120, you'll earn good pay and benefits with lots of job choices. I do pipeline work. I'm a concrete finisher. I lay miles and miles of asphalt. This is Ward Daniels, business manager of Labor's Local 120. Joining us can lead to a satisfying career for you or someone you know. So join us. Join us. Join us. We are now accepting qualified apprentices and journeymen. Visit LionaBuildsIndiana.org to apply. Hi, I'm Ryan Kelly with TheHomeLoanExpert.com. It's no secret that the housing market is red hot. Homes are selling day one and they're going for over list price. Some folks are making offers on homes that they haven't even seen in person. The competition is fierce. You have to be pre-approved and working with a strong mortgage lender. Get a leg up on the competition and get pre-approved now. TheHomeLoanExpert.com. The Home Loan Expert LLC, NMLS number 1326241. More than 100 million wild ass. 